Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, Archons, welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self, a conversational Keyforge podcast for and by Keyforge friends. My name is Scuzzy Gruen, also known as Alex, and I am joined this week, as every week, by my Keyforge chums, my Keyforge compadres, my Keyforge comrades in arms. We got the Wheeling Keyforger, Rick. Hey, what's up? And Coach Boulevard Paper Fight. What's the haps, Blake? Yo, yo, what's going on, everyone? All right. Uh, to the folks tuning in to this episode, uh, there should be absolutely no mystery about what we're going to be talking about this week. It's all the rage. Everybody across the world of Keyforge is talking about it on Twitter, on Reddit, on Facebook, everywhere. It's the fact that we're getting buff Fuzzy Gruen. Are you guys as excited as I am about the existence of a super big, super buff Fuzzy Gruen? I am. I'm not. I don't think it's possible to be ex- as excited as you, so I just feel it'd be <laughs> a lie if I said I was. <laughs> of course, I, I jest. We're going to be talking about Mass Mutation today, the brand new Keyforge set due in May of 2020. We don't have any exact dates, as is traditional for Keyforge uh, product announcements, but there was a great uh, uh, official uh, stream announcement this past week, first on uh Twitch and then on YouTube. You can go watch it right now if you haven't uh, uh, watched the entire thing. A lot of folks seem to have been sort of just operating on the news that was announced uh, sort of on Reddit and Twitter, people relating to it. But I really recommend watching the stream because I love how excited the designers were just talking about their ideas for Keyforge and the fact that this is the very first set that was entirely designed in-house by the Keyforge team at FFG. Did you guys get that sense of excitement when you were watching the announcement video? Oh, in in spades. Yeah, I was uh, I was super excited for it. I, I had trouble finding this stream to start with. At first, I started watching uh, Dan's stream of his reaction watching the stream, and then I was like, no, I can't do this. Like, he wants to have a conversation with me. I just want to watch it. So then I had to, like, discover it myself. And, yeah, it was it was a really cool, cool little uh, Twitch stream. I mean, who wasn't excited? For I think we all had our calendars marked for this, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was literally in a meeting right up until the moment like the stream started and I had to like run back to my desk and have it on just listening to it in the background while I was working on some some stuff in my office and then actually watch it over my lunch hour. But yeah, this is by far the most I've been excited I've been about a new set and that includes the previous announcement for Worlds Collide and previous announcements for AOA. Um, I'm just hype right now and part of that just has to do with the fact that I'm that much deeper into Keyforge than I was when those other two sets were announced. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great way of putting it. Yep. So we're going to be talking a little bit about the specifics of what was announced and our general thoughts, reactions to the small amount of information that we currently have available to us. But it's time for us to introduce a new segment. This one is called Maverick Mix. And I believe, Blake, you were the one who came up with this idea. The idea is that we have each proposed a cool Maverick to appear in a different house and why it would be cool. Rick, you're going to be hosting this one. Why don't you take us away with your pick and what, uh, why you think it would be cool to go over into another house? Well, um, I'm, I chose Arms Master Molina, which is a Star Alliance creature, four power, no armor. But I would like to see it in the new set in the returning Sanctum because with the armor that they have had in the past, and I think they may still have, but less so, and then having Hazardous 3, because Arms Master Melina is Hazardous 3 and gives each of her neighbors Hazardous 3, I think that would just make, make Sanctum so much beefier, stickier on the board, and just and the capturing. So it's it 
it would work for me, my play style. I think that's a super interesting idea. I don't expect that we're going to see a lot of smaller Saurian bodies. And with Brobnar gone as of the new set, I think you're very right to think, okay, what can we do to give uh, other houses a little bit of edge in that sort of combat body arena? And I do like that idea of, you know, giving Sanctum an extra tool through a Maverick. Yep. Cool yeah, idea. Because I mean, that, 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 I love Melina because in the cube, uh, you may have heard us talk about a, there is one house that may need to get rotated out. In that house, there's a triple Molina. So you can make it that creatures basically have a hazardous six, which is really gross to deal with. And if you put it on an elusive creature, uh, forget about it. You're never getting that off the table short of a complete board wipe, spot removal, or a bounce. Yep. And if you bounce, it's bouncing back. What about yourself, Blake? What was your thought on a Maverick? Mine's a little more on the nose, to be completely honest. It's uh, Selwyn the Fence appearing in Saurian. So uh, a classic Coda card that was fairly useless in that set, but has been reinvigorated now with uh, all the exalting that exists within uh, the world of Worlds Collide. And uh, Selwyn the Fence is a three-power creature, Elf Thief, with a fight reap ability of move one ember from one of your cards to your pool. I mean, if you happen to have a library of Polosaurus as well, that means every turn you can put two Ember into your pool. And if you're reaping with Selwyn, that's literally three Ember being generated off of yeah. that. So that's kind of cool. So dope. And especially, too, for a card that I, I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast. When I first uh, opened my very first Keyforge deck, it came with Selwyn the Fence and Old Bruno. And my assumption at the time, not really understanding how the decks were put together, is that they would always be paired together because that made sense to me. And mm. then after opening a bunch more Coda decks that had like no or very little capture and getting a Selwyn and just being like, this is useless. Whereas now there's so much amber just volatile on the board in Worlds Collide meta. Like it's just the nature of the way we play Keyforge right now. Selwyn has gone up like a thousand percent. So you're absolutely right. Having access to it in Saurian would be so good. Yep. I agree. Yeah. The the other thing it's it's kind of funny, like you're saying this is like um your story about Selwyn in that that vacuum is I noticed as well, like when we had our target pre-release decks, is my perception of Worlds Collide was like so skewed because we had such a micro scale of what the set actually was and we were just playing with a couple decks over and over. I found it very interesting once we got really into it how some like, um, I had a lot of preconceived notions that were very incorrect. I mean, my very first deck that uh, I opened up from the set, the one that you got me from Target, thank you again for that, Blake, that was so mm -hmm. cool, uh, yes, had a, a wicked good Brobnar house. And so, of course, here's me, you know, being led down the garden path thinking, man, Brobnar's really good in Worlds Collide. Uh, pouring one out for them since they're not going to be in the next set. But once again, we'll get to that. My pick for a Maverick mix is, once again, a pretty on-the-nose one, but hopefully it gives folks an idea of what we're going to be talking about with these segments. Mine is Universal Recycle Bin in Dis. So if you're not familiar with Universal Recycle Bin, it is a Logos artifact, one pip of amber, uh, action, archive, a purge card you own. So the idea is that if you have anything that's been purged by your opponent or by yourself, you get it back. And so frequently I talk about the fact that I love E on the Fringes. And part of the way E on the Fringes works is that you discard a card and then you have to uh, purge a discard. Um, now, whether that's from your opponent, if they're playing discs or for your own is up to you. I usually end up purging it from my own because I like it when my deck goes faster and I get a chance to recur. But that, of course, means once you've purged all your discards with E, you're out of luck. 
But Universal Recycle Bin would give you the option to dis, uh, to uh, purge them and then bring them back later. So let's say it's early on in the game. Um, I've got E on the fringes on the table. I uh, am looking at a handful of discards and uh, there's two or three that I'm like, man, I could really use an exhum later on in the game. Maybe it's not such a big deal for me to get rid of that, purge it, and then bring it back into my archive with Universal Recycle Bin on a future Logos turn. Yeah, I, I actually have a deck that has uh, a ton of discs and Universal Recycling Bin, and it purges real heavy. Like I think it has a triple buzzle in it, plus um, a few other things that purge, and I absolutely, I think it has Infernus as well. And I love it. I literally will just purge my own cards as opposed to my opponents because it's like creating another resource at your disposal at some point in the game. Like you just said, it's it's a fantastic way once you get all the combo pieces out. It's so much fun. It's just like, yeah, I don't it's, this is like a library I can tutor through and choose what I want and archive it. It's it's phenomenal. That does sound super fun. So if you have a uh, Dis Universal Recycle Bin deck out there, hit up your buddy Scuzzy. He's he's interested to know how it plays and how you use it to your advantage. That is our new segment, Maverick Mix. But now let's get down to it, to Brass Tax, Mass Mutation. First impressions, I'm extremely excited. Let me throw it to you, Blake. What are your first thoughts, first ideas, first things that are getting you hyped up about Mass Mutation as a set? First things that are getting me hyped about the set. Well, I got to say, I think it's the introduction of a storyline behind the set itself. I just think it is great. It gets me more emotionally invested. My imagination can run a little more wild with uh, certain decks and archetypes that could exist. So I'm I'm just super pumped that we're going to now start seeing a storyline behind it, which I feel is uh, quite interesting that this is happening alongside of the imminent release of the the Genesis uh, kind of D&D style RPG that's going to be coming out. So mm-hmm. I, I'm really excited for storylines to exist. What about yourself, Rick? What was the first thing that jumped out to you as being something super exciting about the new set? Well, when we first got word of the new set, my mind went to, okay, what houses are going to mesh together to make these new creatures? Turns out I was wrong about that, but there's still going to be mutated creatures, which I think is going to be exciting. We've seen a couple of them already, and I, I think they're great. I can't wait to see more. So you're a Rad Penny fan? I actually am, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, am too. Maybe, maybe just a little disclaimer. We're, we're not really going to try and talk about cards specifically, I think, no. too much. But if you are worried about spoilers and want to stay away from everything, this may be a good time to uh, to kind of turn off the cast now if that is something you are worried about. But we're not really diving into the individual cards too much, more just kind of a general overview of the things that exist within the set. But if you want to be completely spoiler free, I uh, recommend turning off now. I got to say, I agree with both of you. Um, I love the idea of the storyline for Keyforge being expanded. Like if you watched the announcement video, Brad Andrus uh, relates the story of two Archons who are having this battle to open up a vault. And when the vault actually gets opened up, it's full of this dark amber. And that's sort of the event that causes the mass mutation to start happening and creates all those cool new versions of creatures we're already familiar with, uh, as Rick mentioned. I love that. And it really leads into the thing that I'm most excited about this, which is mass mutation from what we've seen of it so far is so Keyforge, just more Keyforge. Do you follow what I mean by that? 
I yep. genuinely feel when I look at it like it's everything I like about the game of Keyforge. It's colorful. It has variety. It has a sense of humor. It's got like interesting uh, dynamics that you can't necessarily get your head around without playing it. And it just adds more of all of that. Like just looking at spoilers of the cards that we've seen so far, the art on them is incredible. The color on them is incredible. And the way that it looks like they're going to play and interact with one of them, one another rather, feels incredible like there's just so much that just based on the tiny morsels of information that we've gotten so far that has me hyped up like it just it feels very keyforge it does yeah i agree i'm actually kind of jonesing for more info <laughs> uh as always we like to keep things very positive whenever possible when we're talking about uh, uh keyforge in general that doesn't mean that we don't have criticisms um but you may remember a slightly salty episode from a little while back in which I was lamenting the fact that uh, it seemed like we were getting too many new tokens, uh, especially with the new set, and that if this was going to be a thing that went on, eventually it might get to a, a breaking point. Very pleased to say that uh, in spite of the fact that there's cool new mechanics in Mass Mutation, no new tokens. Any thoughts on that at all? I am super glad. Yeah, me too. My uh, my vessel for carrying my tokens is uh, at breaking point, so uh, <laughs> I don't want any more. I'm kind of actually hoping that the new starter set, uh, they aren't doing a deluxe uh, starter set to, or a deluxe uh, a version like they did with Worlds Collide. I'm really hoping the new starter set actually comes with like slightly different tokens, sort of like the dis amber that we've seen. It'd be so rad if it came with the dark amber that's mentioned in this storyline. Like that would make it worth it for me to buy a starter set just to have like these cool alternate token. But I guess what I'm getting at is I like the idea of each set having its own flavor of tokens to incentivize yep. folks like us who are very deeply invested in the game to like maybe pick up a starter set, you know, even though we don't need technically speaking tokens just yeah. to get cool alternate variations. Is that something you would you would go in for, Blake? No. <laughs> hey, fair enough. I'm committed to my strategic dino tokens. I love them. I don't think I could switch over. I mean, I like having some backups as things in other kits and stuff like that and to be able to lend out. And yeah, these disc flavor ones are pretty cool and having the retro ones would be cool, but I don't think I would spend money intentionally to get them if it's something that comes as a prize or something like that. I like that aspect of an interesting prize support, but we're getting to a point where we're all getting excess of everything we currently have. So that's why I think the U, the leaderboard decks is a great idea. And obviously the announcement of the new figurine keys that are modeled and look very well detailed are very interesting, especially me, a collector of toys as well, loves that. So yeah, I just want to see, um, I don't want more of the same basically. And, and in, even though they are different, it's literally more of the same. They're pieces of cardboard with a different design on it. Uh, that's my, that's my only thing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Enhance as a mechanic is the big new change to the way that Keyforge is played. I'm excited about it. Essentially, the way it works is that some creatures and possibly some artifacts, we don't know for a fact yet, um, possibly even some actions, have an enhance on them, which means that that has a set way that it modifies other cards in your deck. So, for example, the example that they use in the official press release is a creature in Star Alliance called Armory Officer Nell. Uh, it is a four-power creature uh, alien. It has enhanced draw a card 
Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that uh, Armory Officer Nell will get the draw card uh, uh, ability, but another card in your deck does. So it's this new level of complexity that's being added to Keyforge. In fact, it's four new things, well, three new things if you count uh, uh, the ones that we haven't seen before that can be modified within your deck. So you can either get an amber icon, meaning that every time you play that card, you get a pip of amber. That's, of course, a classic Keyforge mechanic, but one that's getting new life with Enhance. Capture, that's new. Whenever you play this card, regardless of what it is, you capture an amber onto one of your creatures. Damage, you do one damage based on whether or not this card uh, is enhanced with uh, damage. Or draw a card, just as we heard with Armory Officer Nell. First thoughts on enhance and how it's going to affect the game. I absolutely love it. I cannot wait to pick it up. I can't wait to see it. And it makes your deck even more unique and more your own. Because cards will now be more unique yeah i i like it too and, and just to clarify what you said scuzzy is uh any card can have up to five pips of one kind so now the term pip has so many different meanings it's not just ember anymore uh, it can be a draw pip like you said damage pip and apparently it can be a combination of them yep. as possible if you have more than one enhance on a single card but the maximum number will be five icons on a card so and and I guess it, what you're doing is you're going to be looking for certain cards because you know once you have that card in your deck the enhance exists, and from what I can tell is these uh, these will be um, kind of marked on your deck list so people will know which cards have the enhancement on them. But I guess if you have multiple enhancements, we don't know yet if it kind of shows you which one it is. But I'm excited to discover how they're going to present that because, uh, like Rick said. Having a unique deck with unique cards is uh, just next level. And I don't think any other game other than one that is procedurally generated by an algorithm like Keyforge could do something like this. So that's just in and itself so amazing and a great utility to have at your disposal. I mean, just like bringing back the idea of bonus Amber, I'm super into it um, because it's a thing that's been toned down since Coda. Um, but I really love the idea of capture damage and draw as just being extra things that you'll get in your deck and yep. the ways that those could specifically enhance certain plays like a board clear that comes with the damage icon, I think is the one that uh, Brad mentioned on the stream, because then the damage happens, it pops the ward and then the board clear happens. Can you yep. imagine pairing that up with an axiom of grisk? Oh. So cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, that would be fun. I'm I'm honestly the most excited for is the draw card ones. Like that's the one I want to see. Like yeah. I I love the card that they showed. The is it what is it? Officer Nell? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just I love the art of that and I want lots of Nells in my decks because I want to have lots of enhancements. I want Star Alliance and I want to draw cards. Like that's the best part about Keyforge, so bring it on. Absolutely. And of course, with no idea what's going to be in the card pool yet, I think that uh, the live stream that they're going to have later on the month is the first time we're going to get to see gameplay of Mass Mutation, which will give us more idea of what cards are returning, what cards are going away, uh, and what cards are coming back. We're going to get a, a, a sort of a better idea of the things that these could possibly be paired up with um, and that you could randomly come across. Much like we were talking about earlier with uh, Maverick Mix, who knows what kind of crazy combination that we haven't even conceived of yet could come together and create mm -hmm. something incredibly unique that nobody else in the world has in their deck. That is so cool. Yeah, it is. 
couple of other things that were discussed. Uh, uh, the big one, and I do mean the big one, is the fact that we're going to be seeing a couple of creatures in the new set, which are double card creatures, meaning that you will have to have both halves of the creature card in hand in order to play the creature. So the one that everyone's talking about, because it's the only one we've seen so far, is Ducillus. It is a 20-power mutant creature in House Saurian. It has to be played, as I mentioned, both of the cards, both halves of it. Uh, it's giant. It's going to be huge on the table. It has a play effect of capture all of your opponent's amber, deal five damage to an enemy creature. That's on play. Fight Reap, move one from Desulis to the common supply, deal two damage to, damage to each enemy creature. Blake, we had a little bit of a chat about this before the cast. You're not a fan of this. I am. What's your rationale for not liking it? So from a casual standpoint, I love it. But in any competitive setting, I feel like this is bad. Like we we talked about how um, you have cards like, uh, remember we did the Would You Rather with all the the Igon and mm -hmm. the Toad. This is yep. the same concept, except you literally can't play the card potentially. So it's it's actually a dead card unless you happen to get both or you have some archiving or there is some tutor that exists to get it. But at the same time, is that tutor not better spent in another capacity unless there's a multitude of tutors that specifically reference the dual cards? Because, I mean, this is how I feel about it. Is like, can you imagine, like, like if you spent time, like, trying to craft playing this this card? And to give you, if you guys didn't see, the, the sizing is two cards turned sideways stacked, basically. And can you imagine spending time to do this? And then you're like, okay, boom got it out, and then someone goes, next turn, gateway to dis. See ya. So you spent all this time crafting this, and it's just gone with hard removal. Like, it's it's going to feel bad. And I think in sealed, it's going to be the most interesting is when it pops up in sealed. But I think in you will be very rare seeing them in a competitive setting unless someone has some crazy way of uh, creating the odds of making it go off a lot greater. And I mean, we still have to see is how good are they really in terms of like, I imagine each house has one is, is going to be my guess. I don't imagine it being more than that. And not only this is taking up two card slots in your deck for actually only one card. So that means you have one less card in your pool that you could just draw and use than you would have had if it didn't exist. And so, like, like I said, uh, from a casual fun collection standpoint, I think these are awesome. But the the competitive side of me is like I don't really want this in a competitive deck and it could be a thing that actually brings a deck down and I wouldn't be surprised if in rating systems when you have that it actually makes your deck go down a little bit compared to if that card wasn't in it I would not be surprised see my big objection to Igon the Green Igon the Terrible and Toad Xenos Blood Shadow was that I felt that they were not impactful enough to justify the the sort of the finickiness of them right like Igon the green, Igon the terrible. Sometimes you draw a dead card with Igon and you have to wait until you get the other Igon to be able to use the first Igon. And, you know, Toad is just not that useful, but Xenos is pretty good. Whereas Ducillus, the effect is so tremendous on the game that I kind of like the idea of, yeah, it's a huge, crazy swing when this guy hits the table. And yeah, maybe it does get removed. Maybe it does get bounced, but it will have an impact on the game when it happens. And that's the thing that I think was missing with the Igons for me and somewhat missing with uh, Toad and Xenos for me is that their um, sort of their drawback 
never felt offset by a huge, crazy amount of utility. Whereas Ducillus, to me, I look at it and I go, this thing's crazy. Like you could literally, you know, drumble all of your opponent's amber. Um, we all know the tools that exist inside of House Saurian that keep creatures from getting bounced, from getting destroyed, that let you get amber off a creature. Uh, I'm not going to go out in here and say that they're going to be super competitive because we have no idea what that competitive scene is going to look like. And I'm not the best judge of what's a good competitive card one way or the other. I just feel like if we're going to have something like this where it takes up two slots in your deck, I want it to be as crazy impactful as possible. And when I look at a creature like Ducillus, 20 power, capture all your opponent's amber, deal five damage to a creature, you know, remove one amber and deal two damage to every single creature uh, across the board from you every time it fights or reaps. That's bananas to me. Yeah, I agree. It, it is, it is like very powerful. Like your, your argument of having something that impactful for the cost. Yes, it definitely does have that. I'm just, my argument is that I think it's going to be challenging to pull off and if you just get it and it works then it's going to be like huge for you but i think if you do a numbers game and just count like how many games you play and how many times you pull it off it's going to be quite a low statistic and that's why i'm not a huge fan but i mean in a three-player game in our you know in our scenes three-player keyforge casual i think i think that we should would all be rock. epic yeah we each rock a dual a dual card deck and and have some fun in that setting i think it'd be awesome I think uh, our pal Jonathan Donegan has it in mind that uh, the creature that we've seen in a lot of the promotional artwork that I think is actually on the box for Mass Mutation is a King Kong-sized Niffleape. And uh, I know I'm going to want to see him get one of those decks because I know it would make him happy. Yeah, he's about those Niffle parties. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no party like a Niffle party. Last thing that I really want to address with the set, and it's one of the most notable things about it, one of the first things that people noticed when they started examining the stuff that was being shown on the stream, Sanctum is back. Brobnar is out. I don't want to belabor this point. Anybody here sad about Brobnar leaving? Nope. Nope. Not even slightly. I mean, it should happen faster. Why, why does it may have to be so far away? <laughs> You're just going to start taking uh, uh, Sanctum and putting it in place of Brobnar in your existing WC decks and stuff? Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually gonna miss brobnar but uh i think them leaving now is uh they need uh, to yeah you're absolutely correct they need to go so that, that they that can come back said, and be though, awesome later that being said though aj in our group he has like a ridiculously good brobnar house like maybe the best one remember we were talking about what would a good one be mm -hmm. yep. and and he has it and he opened it on sunday and, and he played it last night or, or on our Monday night game, and holy, he's triple ganger with a pile of skulls mm -hmm. and a shattered throne. It just like it puts in work that deck. Like it's silly. It's like it's like one of those things where he doesn't necessarily have to have the creatures, but the Brobner that exists within like working with the other houses works so well. So yeah, they, they do exist. Remember we were talking about that. Yeah, they they do exist. Mm -hmm. They're out there. I might I have one or two myself. But anyways, Alex, you, so you were saying now that Sanctum's back because Brobnar is going to take a reprieve to uh, rebolster their ranks, so to speak. Yeah, um, I like a couple of things that have been mentioned about it so far. Um, we know that because Mass Mutation has an emphasis on mutant creatures, that is to say creatures that have the mutant trait. Um, there are some that already exist with the game. Desanya counts as one. 
Uh, Mimic Gel counts as one. Um, the one we were just discussing, Ducillus, that's going to be in the set, counts as one. It's a mutant. Um, and it seems like Sanctum are going to be the house that are not having any of this mutant business, and they're going to get a lot of tools to work against mutants. Um, I think that's interesting. It raises the question for me, is this going to be an evergreen thing that we're going to see going forward? Are we going to get mutants in every set in order to keep the utility of mass mutation sanctum cards that have mutant hate in them or mutant related bonuses? For example, I could definitely see the existence of a card that was like, oh, this creature gets plus three if it's attacking a mutant or it can't be attacked by mutants, etc., uh, do you think that's going to have to be a thing that they're going to have to keep going or is it okay to have set specific hate? I actually think that it'll depend on how they carry out the story. Cause if they're introducing a storyline and this is a big part of that story, um, I mean, you, if, if we're going to reference magic, the gathering, which has probably done the story idea where they put a heavily invested story behind everything. And it kind of goes along a path. Uh, I think that's what it'll be. But I, I imagine this will not be a single set story. So it's it's going to be like the mass mutation is, so the mutation is introduced here. And then the next, it could be the next set, it's rampant. And then the third set, it's it's kind of called. I could see it like that. Or maybe just within a one-two punch thing. So the first set, it's introduced. The next set, because then it's like a full year set, right? So then the next set, it kind of concludes the mutant, uh, like the things are happening to to kind of curtail the mutants in a way. Like the mutant war comes yeah, in the next th- set? Yeah, yeah something like that. So, so just just things like that. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting. And I mean, when we see a new house introduced, which will probably be later in the year, I feel like this mutant thing could really come to play. Like maybe we'll see the fishes come into those, those aquions, I believe is the name of them, come into play a little bit more because they got a real mutant vibe. Speaking of uh, uh, cards that we've already seen via that particular mechanic, you had an interesting conversation about anomalies on a new podcast that you're a part of, Blake. What's the deets on that? Yeah, I've, I've joined a competitive Keyforge team called United Archons with uh, Jupiter and a few other people. I had a nice uh, game with Jupiter at lunch today. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's always jamming games. He's very active in the community. He knows so many people. That's kind of how we started with a worldwide collective of a team. And yeah, we're going to be, I'll just be jumping on a cast with him uh, every once in a while to just talk team stuff and things like that. And, and we dove into Anomaly. So if you want to check that out under his Fifth Planet Keyforge uh, podcast, you can find our our kind of speculation of, of anomalies that will return. I know it's been discussed quite a bit, but we went into some storylines uh, there and, and some fun things that we use with clues within the art to kind of whittle down what could possibly be returning because... Uh, Brad did confirm that an at least one anomaly will be appearing um, as a permanent stay in the new set. Word up. Um, it's been... I got, all- I got one more thing, oh, too, to talk about since please. we're talking about this mutant, anti-mutant. Uh, they also said that there's going to be an archetype of mutant versus anti-mutant, like you said, because of Sanctum. Uh, my my question is though, is which we don't know, and there's no way to know at this point. Is is it going to be one of those things where where you know we've had cards in the past like Bagon, which is that one that is get a pip of Ember or destroy all disc creatures, and you sometimes like I don't I can't tell you how many times I've opened a Bagon in a how in a deck that has disc. Like I feel like that happens more often than not, and it's so frustrating when you have a card that's so powerful like that, but yet it doesn't work in your deck. So I'm wondering if. It's like if you have anti-mutant traits in your deck, does that mean your deck will not contain as many mutants? 
Or will it be that you could sometimes have a anti-mutant deck with a ton of mutants and therefore you have this huge anti-synergy and those cards are kind of dead. So I'm kind of curious about that aspect since it, there was revealed that there will be this kind of archetype of mutant versus anti-mutant. I really hope that they've tweaked the algorithm in such a way. Like we all know about, oh, this weird anomaly where it's like, oh, sacrifice a human. I have no humans in my deck. You know, that yep. kind of stuff. Yep. And I feel like we haven't seen as much stuff like that. Um over the last little while. So I'm hope that means that they've sort of taken that into account uh, when they're putting this stuff into the algorithm, but only time will tell. I'm sure we're going to be having lots more conversations about mass mutation in the almost three months until we get to play mass mutation. It should yep. be coming out right around the time of uh, the, the worlds. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it comes at the end of the month. End yeah, of May is, is when it May. is after worlds. They, they said for sure it won't be before worlds. Or if it is before Worlds, the set will not be legal. But I'm I'm almost 100% positive it will be after Worlds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No sense muddying up a uh, an exciting event with something else extremely exciting. Yeah. Wouldn't it be wild if it, you guys all showed up to Worlds and it was like, now you all have to play Mass Mutation. No idea what's in it. Go, go, go. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, hey, maybe we'll get another Target pre-release right before, like last time, <laughs> another big event with uh, of Target pre-release looming. Maybe we they'll switch it up. Hope. Maybe it'll be Walmart this time. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I've actually got a Walmart near me. All right. It's been our entire runtime of the episode thus far, but we couldn't end an episode of Help from Future Self without the segment we call... Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. Blake, have you got a lesson from your future self that you would like to impart to the folks out there? I do indeed. Uh, this one comes from uh, actually testing and doing a lot of reps for my adaptive deck that I'm going to be playing in the Prime this weekend. And I've kind of noticed as I'm learning more decks, the the levels that exist within a deck. And it's it's kind of like, you know, you, you're testing a deck and you, you we all know about the whole reps thing, but it's understanding like there's these things that exist within a deck that you see right away. And there's the other things that kind of come up to the forefront as you keep going and realize how powerful that is. And it's just made me realize how decks can basically have so many layers to it. You know, decks are like an onion. They just got layers. <laughs> Shout out to Charlie, who's uh, who plays the lead role of Shrek the Musical here in Vancouver, one of our uh, our local guys. And yeah, I just, I just got to say, I've, I've noticed the layers that exist within my, my deck I'm using for Prime. And the more I got to play it, the more I started to unravel these. So sometimes it's fun to explore uh, routes of cars that you don't normally think to go with. And so this is my my future self telling me when I have a deck, what what seems obvious to me is it's sometimes it's fun to not play the obvious route and go for something different. Like, for example, um, this past week I had a deck with triple golden spiral and double Senator Shrix and a Ludo and a imperial scutum so guess what guess what that de- deck did guys take a wild guess so <laughs> yeah I, I just i just like it works so well but that you get to a moment if those pieces don't work you're suddenly faced with like when you have a, a very clear game plan of what you should be doing when that doesn't come together knowing what else the deck does and how it performs is when you're going to shine and that's why you need to know the layers because sometimes the ones that seem the most obvious will be absolutely wrecked for you one way or another within the game of keyforge and all the different cards that exist so you need to know what the the not the plan a or b is but the c to f plans that can exist within a deck and be very proficient in taking those paths 
to victory because if your main one goes and that's the and once that's gone you can't win then that deck is a fun deck but it's not going to be one that you can really rely on in a competitive setting so that's just something to keep in mind sage advice coach that's about it for another episode of Help from Future Self. Of course, you can find us on Patreon on patreon.com slash HFFS podcast. You can find us on Twitter at the same handle. I am Scuzzy Gruen on The Crucible, on Twitter, on Instagram, anywhere you want to find me in person, down at the mall, at your local game store, playing games at Keyforge. Where can they find you, Rick? I'm on Twitter at The Wheeling Keyforger, and I'm on The Crucible at Rickster78. What about yourself, Blake? You can find me at Boulevard Paper Fight. That's BLVD Paper Fight on both Instagram and Twitter. And that same name is where you can find my YouTube where I'm really trying to ramp up the content now. I'm uh, really enjoying making stuff for YouTube. So check it out. All right, folks. We'll be back again next week with talk about everything related to Keyforge. We got a prime coming up this weekend, so I'm sure we'll have war stories to relate. Until then, we love you. Stay forging.